Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Yeah, um, so Israel is, uh, the church is, Israel is God's physical people. The church is the spiritual Israel. So whatever's happening in Israel is, is a mirror of what's happening in the church. So there's great contention. There's, so this picture here, a friend of mine just sent from a revival meetings in India, uh, and he says that the persecution in India is increasing. So that's a mirror of what you see in Israel in the physical. In the spiritual realm, Persecution is increasing, but there's an abundant harvest. It's harvest time. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about is an abundant harvest. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, wow, God is good. Uh, I I just need to say a couple things about um, myself first before I minister, okay? So um, I... I'm going to the Philippines two and a half weeks. I'll be there for two weeks, speaking in five different churches full of young people that I want to encourage. I want to encourage them that the harvest is abundant and they can be uh, partakers in that harvest. Amen? And uh, the other thing is that, uh, you know, um, I don't really know what I'm doing. But the Holy Spirit does. And so uh, I, ju- I go in that kind of confidence, not, not confidence in myself, but uh, confidence that the Lord is with me, okay? So uh, I'm going to talk about abundant harvest. So um, I like to highlight scriptures. I call them uh, great promises. And so we're going to look at three Uh, precious promises. I call them precious promises. Three precious promises that are in the Word of God. There's hundreds of them, okay? But we're going to look at three of them. The first one is uh, Genesis 3.15. And uh, this is right after the fall of Adam and Eve. The Bible says that when Adam Adam sinned, that the day they sinned, they would die, okay? Right. Uh, but the, they ended up living almost another thousand years. But their spirits died the day they got, they, the day they sinned. The day they sinned, they died, but their flesh, their body survived for another close to a thousand years. If it hadn't, none of us would be here today because they would have never had any kids. And so... Uh, this great tragedy, God's plan for Adam and Eve to, to uh, be his light in the earth was foiled because they sinned. Right. And, and so this first great promise, Genesis 3.15, is a picture of the cross. And, uh, and God said to him, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the devil, and between your offspring and hers, 
He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So right from the very beginning after Adam and Eve sinned, God made a promise about the cross. This is a picture of the cross. Jesus was a bruised on the cross, but Satan's head was crushed. Now when it says Satan's head, the, the Hebrew word means headship, his rulership over the earth. And uh, so he still rules vast. So if you look at Hamas, if you look at uh, terrorists, uh, they are being ruled not by the Spirit of God. They're ruled by the devil whose head was crushed. And the only way he can rule in the earth now is through lies. That's the only way he's ever ruled. He, he told a lie to Adam and Eve. He told them that uh, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Well, they were already like God. They were made in his image. But God had told them not to do that. So the devil's headship has been crushed. This precious promise in Genesis 3.15 is still working today. The blood of Jesus Christ redeems us from all sickness Sickness. Now, we don't know how to appropriate that so much in America, uh, but the blood of Jesus and the stripes he bore free us from sin, free us from sickness, free us from death. We have eternal life. Amen? So that's a great promise. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these first two. It's the third one that I want to... But the second one is in Genesis 12. Now, in Genesis 12... God is speaking to Abraham. Abraham, we know, is the father of faith. And uh, uh, we are children of Abraham, the New Testament says. So in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, this is the first of uh, several promises that God made to Abraham. We're not going to look at the other ones. This is the first one. Uh, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Yeah. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This promise is come to us. All peoples on earth will be blessed through Abraham because he's the father of faith. And we are people of faith. And so uh, there is an abundant harvest coming because this promise says that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So uh, this uh, this picture of, of revival meetings in uh, uh, India. There's 1.3 billion people in India. Now, 1% of that... What's the 1.5? Huh? 1.5? Anyway, they're still having kids in India. <laughs> and uh, the, the church is... They, they say the church is 2 or 3%. Uh, that includes a lot of nominal churches. Right, right. Okay, so uh, the, the, if, if you say 1.3 or 
billion people in India, if you subtract the Christians, there's still 1.3 or 1.5 billion that don't know Jesus. Okay? But there is an abundant harvest coming. And we want to be a part of it here at Whitefields Church. You know, when Pastor Mark first had a vision to to change the name of this church from Gospel Outreach to Whitefields, he asked my opinion. And dummy that I was, I said, I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) And uh, I'm glad he didn't listen to me because now I think it's a great idea. But uh, the, the, the fields are white for harvest. Okay, now, um, we're going to look at the third great promise, but first I've got to do a little bit of uh, digging into what, the, uh, what is happening here so you can understand the context of this harvest, okay, of this promise. Because this promise, uh, well, let me just, uh, let me just uh, do one thing at a time here. Numbers 13, 30 to 31. Now, I think we're all familiar that uh, 400 years after Abraham, Moses brought the people of Israel out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land. And then then they spent, uh, first they had to go through the desert and they had to get the law at Sinai. And uh, it came time for the people of Israel to go into the promised land and conquer it. And uh, so the suggestion was made to Moses, let's send 12 spies into the promised land and see what it's like before we actually go in and conquer it. So we take up the story here in Numbers 1330. So there was a good report, and then there was an evil report. There was a fear of man, giants, that was working against the children of God. Now, Abraham's the father of faith, but the devil brings fear. Okay? So uh, let's read this here. Numbers 13, 30, and 31. Then Caleb silenced... This is after... uh, uh, The ten spies had given an evil report. Caleb silences the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we. Well, of course they're stronger than we, but they're not stronger than God. And uh, we don't fight our battles in our own strength. We fight them in God's strength, amen? But, uh, uh, and then Numbers 14, verses 3 and 4. The whole nation rebels against God. Unbelief leads to rebellion against God. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? That's unbelief speaking. The Lord wasn't leading them there so they would fall by the sword. That was a lie that they were giving place to because of fear and unbelief. They weren't children of Abraham, 
children of faith. Even though they were the physical descendants of Abraham, they weren't walking in faith. They were walking in unbelief. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So this is rebellion. So first there were the 10 spies that had no faith. They spoke that unbelief into the congregation. And uh, I praise God for the pastors we have in this church that they get up and they speak faith. They don't speak unbelief. They speak faith. The word of God speaks faith. That's why I read the word of God every day because I need my faith built up. And you do too. Okay, so... um, So a couple months ago, um, so anyway, um, you see that God's plan here is being thwarted by by unbelief, okay? A couple months ago, we sang a song, and uh, halfway through the song, I said, I can't sing this song. It said something like, God never loses a battle. Uh, But that's not true. God has ultimate victory, but he loses many battles. This was a battle that God, God wanted the children to go in, possess that land. They refused. They rebelled against God. Now, God is able to turn every loss into a victory. But it took another generation. It took another generation. And that generation lost the inheritance that that was meant for them to possess. Do you see that? They lost that promise that was given to them because of their unbelief. So we sang this song, God Never Loses a Battle. Listen, every time somebody goes to hell because they haven't accepted Jesus, that person is lost. God lost a battle for that soul. I just read a a statistic. I don't know how accurate it is. But it said every day 70,000 people died that don't know Jesus. Every day. Now the world's a big world. It's a big world. Uh, I've been to Philippines 10 times. They say there's 700 inhabited islands in the Philippines. I've been to six or seven of them. The Bible says go into all the world. Just to go to all the islands in the Philippines is almost physically impossible for one person. It's a big world out there. Big world out there, and God's Lord of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Okay, Numbers 14, 10 through 12. So, uh, this rebellion's going on. It says, uh, the whole assembly talked about stoning Moses and Aaron. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Now you can see God's heart here. He's, uh, he's a little upset. How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I've, I have performed about them, among them? Now this is, uh, this is the 10th time that they've rebelled against him while they were in Egypt. I mean in uh, Sinai Peninsula. How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they, speaking to Moses. Now, some people look at, look at God here as, as, you know, the God of the Old Testament, he just killed people. You know, um, listen, God did not want to destroy these people. He wanted them to possess the, the promised land. But the, you reap what you sow. These people were sowing rebellion, unbelief, fear, not faith, not, uh, they weren't worshiping God. They weren't honoring God. They were rebelling against him. And God, in his uh, justice, you know, Jesus had to die for our sins because of his justice. He couldn't just forgive our sins without the penalty of our sins being paid for. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. God is a God of justice. And so he didn't want to destroy these people. But they had sown rebellion 10 times. And you, you can read that in, in, in the whole story there. And, and God had to judge them. But... There was an intercessor on the scene. His name was Moses. And he saved God from having to do what justice required. That's what happened at the cross for you and me. And so Moses, understanding God's heart, interceded. So let's look at that. Numbers 14, 17 to 19. Moses appeals to the Lord who is full of loving kindness. Now may the Lord's strength be, this is Moses speaking to the Lord after his glory appeared and he fell on his face before God. And he speaks to the Lord and he says, now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Now, Moses knew God's heart. He knew that God did not want to destroy these people. And so he's pleading on the basis of the cross that hadn't yet happened, but it's already foretold in Genesis 3.15 that God is going to go to the cross for us. 
the Lord is, uh, verse 18, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Now in the King James, that word love is loving kindness. It's the Hebrew word hased. It means that God is a God of love. He's a God of compassion. And you see that word all through the Old Testament, that God is a God who loves us. He loves his creation. He made us in his image. We fell and we sinned and we came short of his glory, but he sent Jesus to right the wrong. Amen. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, now this is Moses interceding, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now, forgive the sin of these people. And then the Lord answered, Numbers 14, 20 to 23. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Listen, we have authority to go to the sinners in our community and forgive their sins. We have authority through the power of Jesus Christ to go into the neighborhood and preach the gospel and tell people that there's a God that loves them and he will forgive their sin and we can pray for them. And if we don't know how we can pray for how to pray for them, we can pray in tongues. Like Nancy said. There's three things I do every day. Three things I do every day to fellowship with God. I spend time in prayer. That's fellowship with God. I spend time in the Word. That's fellowship with God. Jesus is the Word of God. I spend time praying in tongues because praying in tongues strengthens you in your inner man. I want my inner man strengthened. So when I go to the Philippines, I'm not just flopping around, uh, having a good time. I'm actually making an impact in the churches I'm ministering to. And so, uh, Numbers 14, 20 to 23, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live. Now, this is the third great promise, and I'm going to read it uh, again in the King James. But this is the promise God is making now. As surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, I'm going to, I don't know if she's got the King James Version. So uh, I want to look at the King James, the the way the King James uh, quotes this, you you actually see the promise that God's making. Numbers 14, 20 and 21. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. 
Now, I consider this one of the greatest promises in the Bible. It starts out as truly as I live. Now, God is swearing by himself. God is making an oath here. He's, now, God cannot lie. But he's making an oath here. He's saying, as surely as I live, whatever I'm going to speak next is going to happen. There's no doubt about it. Even though this generation blew it and they didn't go into the promised land, even though my whole uh, plan is going to be uh, delayed for 40 years, this is going to be true. This is going to be true. It doesn't matter how many battles God loses, he's going to win the war. Okay? But he does lose battles. As truly as I live, all the earth, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. All the earth. All the earth. The earth is a big place. Uh, just getting from Seattle to uh, Incheon uh, is 10 or 11 hours. It's a big earth. As truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now that was spoken by God to Moses. We're going to say approximately 1400 B.C. Approximately. Now, 350 years later, there was King Saul. King Saul blew it. He rebelled against God. Yeah. That was a battle God lost. So God had to find somebody after his own heart. Well, luckily he had created somebody like that. His name was David. You know, God creates us. He gives us uh, the abilities he designs us in our mother's womb, the Bible says. So we're not a happenstance. We didn't just evolve from some amoeba somewhere. Okay, fast forward. 3,400 years to 2024. You know, this, uh, this attack in Israel happened on Yom Kippur, I believe that's right. Uh, and uh, the Jewish year, um, New Year, uh, they, they have a lunar calendar, so it, it usually starts in September. Uh, some years it starts on our, my wife and I's anniversary, which is uh, September 22. Some years uh, that the, the Jewish New Year starts on our anniversary. Uh, so, um, 
we're actually, uh, God follows a Jewish calendar, okay? So we're actually already in 2024 in a sense. So anyway, uh, but you don't have to believe that. But we are in a new Jewish year. And uh, so, uh, and, and God, um, we're in a new season. Let's just put it that way. We're in a war season now. And we need a war for our inheritance. We need a war for the abundant harvest that uh, is out there. Okay, I want to look at uh, a couple scriptures. It's 1201. I want to look at a couple scriptures in the New Testament. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what kind of power do we get? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. While the very ends. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he gives us power. Now he gives us power for lots of things. He gives us power to overcome sin. That's a big one. That's a big one. If you have sin issues in your life, Holy Spirit gives you power to overcome them. I know that's true because I've been there. I've had sin issues and I've overcome them because uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the Holy Spirit gives you power to overcome. It's through the Word of God. The Word of God teaches you. That's why I read the Word of God every day. Because I, I need I need His Word coming into me, not all the news. Right. If I got God's Word coming into me every day, I can read the news with a little bit of understanding. But if I'm not reading the Word of God and I'm just listening to the news, I can get swayed right. real easily. Okay, now, uh, Joshua 1, 7 and 9. Now, that's Old Testament scripture, but it just as applies to us today. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Wow. Successful wherever you go. And I would say whatever you do. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and whoops. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go. Okay, now, we got a twofold mandate, okay? And I don't have time to elaborate it very much, but uh, we got a twofold mandate. Mark 16, 15 to 16, salvation for all who will believe. 
He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So that's uh, part one of the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Okay, part two is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. The first one is reaching the lost. The second one is discipling the nations. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we have not done a very good job in America discipling our nation. I remember when I was in grade school, they took prayer out of schools. Uh, well, before that, you could pray in schools, in public schools. But all of a sudden, no, you can't do that. Well, that, that's an injustice. That breaks the spirit of the founding fathers who dedicated our land to the Lord. Yeah. And so uh, we need to uh, reach the lost, but we also need to disciple our nation so that our nation turns back to God right. in a big way. So there's two different mandates. Uh, the Bible talks about sheep nations and goat nations. And um, so, and every nation... And every person, actually, is judged by how they treat Israel. And so now you see, like, Turkey turning away. They were making, uh, now they're, well, you, you get in the book of Revelation and you see Turkey is going to attack Israel. So anyway, I don't need to get into all of that. But there are sheep nations and goat nations. We want our nation to be a sheep nation. We want to follow the Lord. Matthew 13, 39, I'll close with this. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. We got angels assisting us in reaching the nations. Amen? Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.